We're back. Huge third down and seven here. Michigan blitzes. Duggan dumps it off short. Quentin Johnston has the first down. And Welcome back to another episode of the Saturday Six Podcast. I'm here with my brother, Tyler. I am AJ. I want to welcome everybody in to uh, another episode. It's episode 19. Uh, what's going on, man? Holy crap, do we have a lot to get into, man. These playoffs, the other New Year's Six Bowls, all of them are just incredible. We've got a lot to dive into here. Yeah, I have to say, without a doubt, the m- most fun college football uh, semifinal matchups that we have, I think, ever had in the history of the playoff. Uh, both of them went right down to the wire. Uh, we also had some other good New Year's Six Bowl game matchups, so uh, we will cover those here in just a second. Before we do that, just want to remind you guys to uh, like, rate, and subscribe wherever you're listening to the podcast. If you would also go and give us a follow on Instagram at Saturday Six Pod, that would mean a whole bunch to us. Um, just help us kind of grow a little bit and reach new uh, new audience members. So we appreciate that. Let's go ahead and hit the rewind button, go back a week or so, and recap some of those New Year's Six Bowl games like we talked about. A few of these were uh, really good games. We had a couple of them going down to the wire. And let's start with what we talked about as the orangiest Orange Bowl of all time. We were expecting a good game uh, between two powerhouse programs two teams that had great seasons that wanted to cap it off in the right way and you were on the Tennessee side for this one you picked them straight up against Clemson they were a five-point underdog I was rolling with the Tigers and I was sorely disappointed man it was the volunteers all day long final score 31 to 14 that Clemson offense and Cade Klubnik not able to really get much going and uh, that Tennessee offense led by Joe Milton looked pretty good yeah, this is one of those where I kind of feel bad for DJ Uyungle now. It's pretty apparent that this offense needs a, a lot of restructuring and reworking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not so quick to blame it on him now after I see what another, you know, ex- extremely talented in his own right quarterback was able to do on that day. But Tennessee ha- had a good win. It's a good way to cap off a historic season for them. So, Congrats to the uh, better color orange. Yeah, no doubt. I think obviously uh, long gone are the days of Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Clemson has definitely got some things to figure out on that offensive side of the ball, to say the least. So, uh, But moving on to the Sugar Bowl, you had number five, Alabama, number nine, Kansas State, the Big 12 champs rolling in as six and a half point underdogs. We both thought not even close enough. We're going to take Bama all day. And Kansas State jumped out to a big lead. Deuce Vaughn with an 88-yard run there in the first quarter to put the Wildcats out in front. But from then on, it was just an absolute shellac. And Bama 45, Kansas State 20. Bryce Young, man. I mean, I don't know how much more you need to see. If you if you have a uh, top one, top two, top three NFL draft uh, slot, I think you might go grab this guy if you're smart. Yeah, I mean, they felt disrespected not making it into the college football playoff. They had a little bit to prove. They had some uh, key pieces in their seniors. Like you mentioned, Bryce Young, Will Anderson came back and actually played in the bowl game, which is something that you're seeing a little bit less often these days. And 
you know, they just go out there and then, and they prove why they were one of the top teams in the country this year and why the SEC is just better than the Big 12. Yeah, absolutely. Huge win for Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide to move to 11-2 and two on the season, wrapping up uh, on the right note before they lose some of those big guys to the NFL. So they will look to bounce back next season. Another team that will look to bounce back next season will be the USC Trojans after they go down in one of the best Cotton Bowls in history to the Tulane Green Wave. 46-45, to 45, this game was just back and forth, shootout, last man with the ball type of game. And without Jordan Addison and a couple of starting offensive linemen, Caleb Williams is just not able to get it done. Although he bought out, he threw for over 400 yards. He did his best. But USC, like we've seen time and time again, just no defense, man. Yeah, none whatsoever. And you don't really expect it out of the Pac-12 these days either. But I was really impressed with Tulane. Uh, I think what's impressive to me is that they run such a simple offense. They've really like simplified this and just made it about putting your best players in the best situations possible. Mm-hmm. And they've done a done a really good job with it. It shows on the scoreboard and uh, another historic season for that program as well capped off with a w it's got to feel good yeah absolutely i think you've definitely got to feel good sitting at 12 and 2 a cotton ball champion american athletic conference champion uh tajay spears that running back man he was he just got loose over and over and over again and uh was able to run right through that usc defense right to a win so big props to the tulane green wave and we'll wrap it up actually with a rose bowl that started off really good man you had penn state and utah going at it the uh, Pac-12 champions were facing off against 10-2 and two, Nittany Lions. Started really well, 14-14 to 14 there uh, right before the half. And then Penn State really pulls away behind those two freshman running backs, Allen and Singleton. Final score, 35-21. to 21. Penn State is your Rose Bowl champs. I think we both called a very physical, uh, hard-fought game here. Yeah. Uh, we, we just we – just, Chose different teams to, to be on the winning side of that hard-fought physical game. You end up being correct on this one and chose, chose the Penn State Nittany Lions to pull it out, and they do. That running game, man, that's something impressive going on, especially for a Big Ten team. Yeah, absolutely. Huge win for uh, Penn State with – like we said, I mean, going into this matchup, we said this is a really good team. Two losses being to two teams that are in the college football playoff, two teams that um, are in their division nonetheless. So uh, really a, a tough draw to have both of those teams in your division every year. But uh, to wrap it up with a 10-2 and two and a Rose Bowl uh, trophy, I think that's uh, nothing to shake a stick at. So we wanted to keep that a little bit shorter, just kind of run through the rest of those New Year's Six games so that we could leave the biggest chunk of this episode to dedicate to what was the best college football playoff semifinal matchups in the history of the college football playoff. I think that is without a doubt true. And, man, did we have good games. Which one do you want to start with? Because I could go for 20, 30 minutes on either one of these. Let's start with well, – we, we can go in time order. We'll start okay. Michigan-TCU here. Okay, yeah, I think 
Michigan TCU in the uh, Verbo Fiesta Bowl was just an instant classic. I mean, there were so many points put on the board in this game. Uh, back and forth action pretty much the entire time, although TCU was never trailing in this entire game. It felt like Michigan was never really out of it just because you knew that Michigan was able to hit those big plays and strike back. In the end, though, it is the TCU Horned Frogs that advance to the national championship game. Final score, 51-45. to They knock off undefeated number two Michigan in that Verbo Fiesta Bowl. I mean, where do you even start? So, 21-6 to at half. TCU's leading after a pick six gets returned, and Max Duggan scores from the goal line. Michigan's not really able to get anything going on offense. McCarthy looks shaky in the first half. And then that third quarter comes. A third quarter in which there were, I want to say, 44 combined points scored. I could be off on that, but I think my math is correct. Just absolutely insane third quarter. I don't even know how to describe it. There were so many big plays uh, that were just – it was just awesome. I mean, what did you take away from that game? Because it almost is hard to kind of – sit here and recap it just because like I said so many big plays so much back and forth an instant classic yeah I I think if you want to harp on something a little bit I I think it's the missed opportunities for Michigan which hurt them uh big big opening drive you go down there you're knocking on the goal line you go for it on fourth down and you don't punch it in for a score that's a big momentum shift. That gives TCU defense everything that they're looking for to start the game. We bent, we didn't break, and, you know, yeah. we got it done. And then, you know, well, TCU let's, goes let's down stop, there. I want to stop you there because I, I I have to ask about that fourth down play call. I mean, you all year long <laughs> have been credited for your physical toughness, for your ability to run the ball. You get down there on the goal line. It's fourth and goal. You got to have it. Your coach is trusting you. And we call like a Philly special, I guess, similar to what the yeah. Eagles pulled off in the Super Bowl years ago. But it was like every team is running this play now. So it's not really, it's not catching anybody off guard anymore. What I don't, I just don't understand the play call there. It kind of, you know what it kind of reminded me of is the Seahawks lining up on the goal line. And when they should have ran it with Marshawn Lynch, they throw yeah. an interception in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Yeah. Just it had that same cute. vibe to me. It, it Exactly. It, it's boneheaded. But I'll say this. You're a genius if it works. You're a terrible play caller if it fails. You know, it's one or the other. Obviously, we're not, you know, watching the film on TCU as much as, you know, these head coaches and these offensive coordinators are. I'm sure they saw something that they liked that they saw a matchup uh, that yeah. they thought they could take advantage of. It doesn't work out in their favor. I think it's TCU all the opportunities that they need. Other than that, un- uncharacteristic amount of turnovers for this Michigan offense and mm-hmm. for J.J. McCarthy. Um, I think uncharacteristic is the only way to describe it because uh, th- that's not something that they were really prone to doing. Uh, throughout the the rest of the season, yeah. Uh, so it, it's missed turnovers or it's missed opportunities for me. Whether it be turnovers, whether it's not not punching the ball into the end zone when you should have, 
Do I think they got slided by the refs on one play? Yes. Uh, Michigan got an interception right around the 49-yard line, right around TCU's 49-yard line. The ref ended up spotting them at Michigan's 49-yard line about two yards longer than w- where he should have been spotted. Yeah. And they hit a big they hit a big bomb to their receiver. Uh, initially, it was called a touchdown. Yeah. Upon further review, he was down just short of the goal line. Yeah, Whereas, at the one. You know, you can only speculate, but hey, if he had those two yards, he's well into the end zone. It's a touchdown. Yeah, uh, they're also not they're also not able to to convert that in, into a touchdown. They end up trying to run the ball and they end up fumbling the exchange. And TCU gets the ball back there, so that's another example of just the missed opportunities and uncharacteristic turnovers of this team. But enough of that. I want to hype up TCU a little bit. I mean, they they deserve it, man. This should be more of a spotlight on them, if anything. Uh, they played an incredible game. Max Duggan was lights out. Man, uh, was like, he? Like we've seen all year long. I mean, this offense, dude, is electric. And for the first time, I, I really saw something out of TCU's defense that I, I was thoroughly impressed with. I, I thought that their defense came to to – came to play and they showed that they belong up there with the rest of the defenses that were playing in these playoffs. Yeah, no, I like your, uh, I like that you touched on Duggan. Obviously he has been sort of the catalyst for this team all season long. Um, not the prettiest numbers in the passing game. His completion percentage wasn't great, but it seemed like when they needed him, um, he was able to convert plays. Uh, his, his legs were the biggest part for me. I mean, um, Last week, I believe you made the Josh Allen comparison. To me, he's almost like almost kind of reminds me of like Tebow with like a slightly better arm because he's just such a such a physical runner. Like he he not only uh, gets out of the pocket and, and to throw the ball, but he looks to run when he gets out of the pocket, and he is definitely not afraid to try to lower his shoulder and run somebody over. Um, I. I mean, I just I can't say enough about the guy, his heart, um, the way that he has uh, just been able to lead this team on so many comebacks uh, throughout the season and uh, showing up big in big games. And then you touched on the other side, the defense. I mean, uh, last time that we saw this kind of defensive performance from this TCU team was, I think, probably going back to that Texas game where me included, but a lot of people were picking Texas to win that game. And TCU holds them to three points with, you know, four or five minutes left in that game before Texas finally gets into the end zone. But, uh, yeah, I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, they've got good corners. They've got linebackers that are instinctive and make plays. Um, The defensive line is okay. But I just thought, you know, you get Michigan in a 21-6 to hole and you're right where you want to be. You survive that crazy third quarter and then make enough plays down the stretch to never relinquish that lead and uh, head to your first national championship game since 1938. It's been 84 years since the Horned Frogs um, have won a national championship. So um, big props to them. Head coach Sonny Dykes in his first year at the helm in that program. Can't say enough about the job that he has done. They were This is a team that was 5-7 and seven last year. Five and seven, didn't make a bowl game. And now they are one win away from being national champions. So uh, just incredible game. Like I said, instant classic, one that uh, TCU fans will be able to go back and watch 
years from now and, and relive sort of uh, just the incredible atmosphere that was the Verbo Festival. But um, any final thoughts, anything else that uh, you came away from that game with? No, I, I can, I can talk at nauseum on TCU and we will get the opportunity to, as we will be picking the national championship. Um, so I, I'll leave a, a little bit of, of my take on TCU for that. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, like I, like you said, I, we could sit here and probably talk about these games all night, but um, let's leave a little bit for a preview of the national championship game. Leave that one right there and head to what was a even better semifinal game than that one. Maybe uh, we were talking about the peach bowl, number one, Georgia undefeated sec champs facing off against the number four Ohio state Buckeyes. Only one loss on the season coming at the hands of Michigan. And the Buckeyes had a chip on their shoulder, man. They came into this game with a lot of people doubting them, a lot of people feeling the Georgia side. And, man, again, instant classic. As a Georgia fan, I hate it. Uh, I felt like I was going to go into cardiac arrest at some point there in the third and fourth quarter uh, just because that game was so tight and so uh, back and forth. But, uh, man, just – Amazing game. Initial thoughts uh, from the, I guess, from the 10,000-foot perspective when you looked at that one. Oh, man. I mean, this was such an amazing game on all levels. I, I think both teams, offense, defense, played incredible. Uh, there, there's no doubt to me after watching this game that Ohio State uh, deserved to be in that game. I know there's uh, probably a lot of debate whether or not it should have been Ohio State, whether it should have been Alabama or another team of your choosing in there. But Ohio State played an incredible game, dude. Honestly, for the majority of this game, it looked like they were they were uh, just a couple plays away from uh, completely taking over and, and making this a little bit of a blowout, which we were not expecting whatsoever. And then on the Georgia side, one, it somewhat speaks to – just your depth and being able to rely on guys. I know they had a couple key injuries. Uh, Darnell Washington goes down. Lab mm -hmm. McConkie was coming back from injury. Didn't look a hundred percent healthy. Uh, yeah. th they lose a couple other guys, uh, Chaz Chambliss um, at one point. And it, it looks somewhat bleak. And then you have the, you know, in certain play calls, you have your, you know, second, third string guys in there make, making plays and it was it was their time to step up and shine, and that's exactly what they did. So so many big plays in this game, man. I mean, yeah. it, it. One thing that we talked about, what we didn't want to see from you know a Georgia fan perspective, we didn't want to see a shootout, man. And that's exactly, exactly what we got. <laughs> well, it's exactly what we got. But one thing that that I touched on uh, when we were picking the game is I think the George's offense is able to play whatever kind of game they're needed to play. Yeah. And that's such a, that's such a relieving thing for a defense, you know, to be able to say, you know what, my offense has me, they're going to be able to go out and do that kind of thing. And dude, Stetson Bennett played like he deserved to be in, in the Heisman running. I mean, he looked incredible. He made some really big time plays with his legs running for a touchdown. Uh, he, he threw a couple bombs. It was just lights out, dude. On the other side of the ball, C.J. Stroud. I mean, this guy played a ridiculous game. I mean, the dude was 
freaking lights out all game long. CJ Stroud. I don't know, like really what one thing else I want to one thing I want to say about CJ Stroud. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the question was, can CJ Stroud run the ball? That that's what everybody wanted to know. Can CJ Stroud run the ball? We thought no. We thought Georgia was going to be able to to keep him in the pocket and and make him a little bit of a statue in the pocket. And dude, were we wrong, man? I think if anybody had any doubts about what CJ Stroud could do with his legs, he answered every single one of his doubters. Yeah, no, I have to agree. I think, like we said, coming into uh, this game last week, it was just gonna, it was probably gonna have to be Stroud taking over. And he did exactly that. I mean, if you're an NFL GM, I don't know what more you need to see out of this kid. When he's able to set his feet and he's got a clean pocket, he is uh, one of, if not the most accurate passer in all of college football this year. Um, just absolutely shredded that Georgia secondary. Um, they, they just, Ringo couldn't keep up with Marvin Harrison and Stroud found him and Julian Fleming and Emeka Ibuka just time and time again. Uh, seemed like they were wide open and Stroud was hitting them in stride um, all night long. And then, like you said, when it came down to it and he did get a little bit of pressure in his face, he seemed like he was more willing to run than we've seen him all year long, uh, escape the pocket for big plays, especially there in the fourth quarter um, to you know drive down the field and give them a chance to kick the game-winning field goal. But, um, yeah, just an absolutely crazy game. I mean – there were a few big plays that I, I just wanted to run through because, um, like you said, big plays were kind of uh, the theme of this game, and it just seemed like there were so many that um, could have gone the other direction that maybe would have had this game turn out differently. And uh, you, you hate it for Ohio State because, I mean, you have these guys that are just absolute warriors putting their body on the line for 59 and a half minutes, and then you trot out – this kicker that <laughs> I mean, he, he's part of the team, but it's like this guy just, he has no idea, you know, what these other guys are putting themselves through uh, day in and day out, week in and week out in order to fight and battle and scrap and claw for 60 minutes. And then some kid that, you know, does one single task all year long, is trotted out there and fails in accomplishing that task. So it's just heartbreaking uh, if you're an Ohio State fan. But um, I just wanted to kind of run through the, the game script and get your thoughts um, on a couple of these plays because um, it was just – it was an amazing game to watch, and I, I just wanted to, uh, to make sure that we give it its justice. So um, in the first quarter, Ohio State uh, gets stopped on their first possession. They punted away to Georgia. And early, it looks like Georgia's got all the momentum. They hit a couple of plays, A.D. Mitchell down um, the field. They hit a couple of run plays. And then it gets to – Georgia gets to the 27-yard line of, of Ohio State. It's third and one. And it's a little run-pass option where Stetson ends up keeping the ball and he loses three yards. But I was watching the game with you, and I told you during the game, if he handed that ball to Kenny McIntosh, McIntosh probably runs straight into the end zone because it looked like nobody was going to touch him. Um, I think that was probably a misread by Stetson. And then they have to settle for a field goal attempt. And Jack Podlesny ends up missing that field goal. So um, right there, a seven-point swing for Georgia where you probably would have had seven on the board and you end up with zero. 
Um, I thought that was a tough way to start the game for the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, you had a little bit of hope uh, going on defense and, and getting the stop that you needed. I disagree with you as far as uh, Kenny McIntosh was gone. I, I think I did see a linebacker or a safety come up and fill that hole. Would, would he have gotten more than than what uh, Stetson Bennett got? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I don't think he breaks it free for a touchdown. Um, and then, yeah, th this is just the first of, of two field goals that Jack Podlesny and Georgia's kicker misses. Um, it, it was a tough night for place kickers uh, yeah. in this game, no doubt. Uh, but, but that's definitely a momentum sweet shift back in Ohio state's favor. I right. think that's, that, that's what makes you feel a little bit better about, you know, deferring or excuse me, get, going on offense first and then, uh, and not being able to convert, uh, and, and they're, they're able to turn it around on the next drive because of that. Right. It just uh, absolutely wipes away all the momentum that Georgia had. And then, like you said, they're able to get the ball back. They drive all the way down the field. And then it, this play that they scored on was a play that was just indicative of the entire game because Stroud drops back the pass. And I went back and watched and counted. And I think he had about six seconds in the pocket before he had to roll out to his right. And he kind of directs Marvin Harrison with his finger to the corner of the end zone, hits him on a 31-yard pass for them to go up 7-0. Um, so Georgia's down early in the hole. They've got to answer, and obviously they do. They go all the way down the field, and then Stetson Bennett hits Kenny McIntosh on a little tunnel screen, and McIntosh takes it to the end zone to even it up 7-7. That was the first first quarter. It was even 7-7, but for some reason it felt like, um, I think, Ohio State probably had the momentum just because they were able to keep Georgia from getting that field goal. And although they gave up that touchdown for Georgia to pull even, it felt like they had confidence knowing that, hey, we've gotten a stop already. We've seen that our offense can score. Now let's go do it again and kind of try to take over this game. Yeah, I mean, that that, that was the storyline for, for quite a bit of the game. Is Georgia going to be able to answer what Ohio State is doing offensively, which is not the – situation you necessarily want as a Georgia fan but at the same time is Georgia's ability to answer all, all all the shots that Ohio State was giving them yeah one thing that stood out to me though is is Georgia was not able to get pressure you, you touched on it I mean CJ Stroud he had all, all the time that he needed in this yeah. game to to be able to to sit in the pocket for the most part and and pick this Georgia secondary apart who has not been playing their best football as of late, as of, you know, their past three, four games now. They just haven't been playing their best football. And when you have such an elite quarterback like C.J. Stroud back there, he was able to pick them apart. He was able to lead receivers. And, uh, and the Ohio State receivers also are elite in themselves. And the, the, if the play breaks down and they're not open on their route, they did such a fantastic job. Of, of running themselves open and giving uh, CJ something to yeah. throw to. So yeah. I, I don't think that should be overshadowed. Uh, yeah, no, either. absolutely. No, I hear you. I think, um, like you said, Georgia in a hole, but was able to kind of answer back, um, especially there in the second quarter. So it's 38 combined points in the second quarter, back and forth action. But early in that second quarter, it was looking – 
a little desperate there for Georgia fans because Ohio State jumps out to a 21 to 7 lead after my, uh, Mayan Williams punches it in for a short touchdown. And then Stetson Bennett makes one of uh, his biggest mistakes of the night, throws a pick, and it is returned to the Georgia 30 yard line after that. Stroud again buys time, has probably four, five, six seconds to find Marvin Harrison Jr. again. For a touchdown, Ohio State goes up 21 to 7. And at this point, like, uh, you're getting a little nervous because, I mean, this offense putting up 21 points that quick uh, just kind of kind of gives you a little bit of a pause moment. Yeah, I mean, we, we said if, if you're Georgia, you wanted to play the games in the 20s or, you know, potentially 30s, and they're knocking on the door of – uh, they're already scoring in the 20s, knocking on the door to the 30s in the first half. Yeah. It's a little bit of an un- uneasy feeling. It- it's the shootout you didn't want to see. So, you know, you're getting kind of nervous about that, waiting mm-hmm. for what George's response is going to be. Yeah, and that response was Arian Smith. So Stetson Bennett drops back, hits Arian Smith on a 50-yard bomb that sets up a Kendall Milton touchdown. Georgia pulls a little bit closer. It's now 21 to 14. And then they get a stop on defense, get the ball back, and they're looking to go down and tie the game up. <laughs> Talk about this one because Kenny McIntosh breaks a run and he is streaking down the middle of the field. No one around him. He made the one guy miss that he needed to. He's 10 yards away from the end zone. And then it's just like sniper top of the stadium just clicks his heel and he falls down. The turf monster got him, man. That was tough. It looked like he was gone. It it did. It 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 sucks because you really want that one for Kenny McIntosh, but you know it it happens. Luckily though, George is able to to get the ball in, in the Ohio State red zone, and you get a little. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. This is when this uh, was the Stetson Stet- keeper. Yeah, Stet- Stetson Bennett. I don't know if it was a if it was like a quarterback design run or oh, yeah. the run pass option it yeah. looked like it looked like, like it was Stetson Bennett's ball the entire time like yeah. like that 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 was the design run so Stetson Bennett takes it uh and just sprints to the corner of, of, of the left side of the end zone and is able to punch it in uh what well, walks in untouched actually uh yeah. and, and they're able to convert it was it was it was a little shaky there for a minute you hate it for uh Kenny McIntosh, but I'm sure if anybody asked him post game uh, in the press conference, he was just happy that, that the offense was able to get down there and score the yeah. touchdown. He wasn't really worried about the stat himself. Yeah, I you're... believe if I'm not wrong, that was uh, his longest uh, uh, run of the season as well. Yeah, no, it was a long run, and uh, I think you know, I think you said it well. If you if you don't get points on that drive, then that probably stings a little bit more, but. Um, at least Stetson was able to cap it off there. And then again, Georgia, another stop, gets the ball back, drives down. They're able to add a jackpot Lesney field goal to take their first lead of the game to sit up 24 to 21. But then again, it's Ohio State bouncing right back. They drive right down before half. Stroud hits the running back uh, one-on-one versus the linebacker over the middle right down the seam. And uh, it's Ohio State that takes a 28 to 24 lead into half. And the third quarter was really no different. Ohio State outscored Georgia 10 to nothing in the third quarter. And it's 38 to 24 heading into the fourth quarter. And at this point, I'm nervous. I'm sweating. Uh, I don't know if that was the alcohol or the game or a mixture of both. 
but I'm sweating at this point. We're down two touchdowns, and this is when we need our quarterback, Stetson Bennett, to come through. And, man, did he do just that because 10 of 12 passing, 198 yards, two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, um, just an absolute gamer. Um, the final drive to take the lead, um, he hit Bowers. He hit um, he hit Kiaris Jackson, and then he finishes it up by finding A.D. Mitchell in the corner of the end zone to take a 42-41 to lead. And that sets up the final drive of the game. There's about a minute left. Ohio State's got one timeout. They've got to drive the length of the field to set up a game-winning field goal. Oh, man. Like we said, you hate it for the kicker, man, because just an absolute killer of a game. Uh, when Stroud really needed it, he ran for like 28 yards to set them up in field goal position. But this is when I think Ohio State lost the game because it's first and 10. You have the ball at, I want to say, the 31-yard line. So you're already in field goal range. You just can't take a sack. You can't lose yards. Pick up a couple of more, make it a little bit easier of a field goal kick the ball, get out of here, head to the national championship. Instead, it's a run play on first down that gets bottled up and loses a yard. It's an incompletion on second down and then a throwaway on third down. And now you're looking at a 50-yard field goal with a kid whose career long was just set two quarters earlier at 48. He's never hit a 50-yarder in his life. And then Kirby Smart very acutely uses a timeout, one of the two timeouts that he used that potentially won them the game on Saturday. But Ruggles, more like struggles because he pulls it just left and the Bulldogs escape with a 42-41 to 41 win. Uh, absolute As the classic. clock strikes midnight. As the clock strikes midnight, as the new year is being rung in, the Georgia Bulldogs advance to their second straight back-to-back national championship games. Um, just final thoughts from you. Epic, epic, epic semifinal matchups. We'll see TCU and Georgia in the college football playoff national championship going down this coming Monday. Um, should be a really good game. Yeah, I, I really feel bad for this Ohio State place kicker, man. I mean, that, that kid's probably on suicide watch after this. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the, the biggest moment of your entire life, and you completely choked it away. Yeah. Um, and it's not like, like the kick got blocked either. I mean – it was a horrendous just whiff, dude. Like, I think he was he trying to make sure he got it. enough leg on it and therefore pulled it. Because like I said, yeah, his career was, high before that was 47. And then I think in the third quarter, he hit a 48-yarder to uh, stretch their lead out. And that was his career. He'd never hit a 50-yarder. So I think he was probably trying to get a little extra power on it and just whiffed, man. It was not even close. Yeah, it was a game for the ages. Georgia advances to their second national championship. They will be defending their national championship from uh, last year against the TCU Horned Frogs. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, stay tuned. We got another episode dropping where we're going to be recapping that entire game. We got one episode for one entire game. Stay tuned. Absolutely. For my brother, Tyler, I am AJ. We appreciate you guys listening. When you do, uh, make sure to share it with some friends. If you would, please, we'd appreciate that. Uh, until next time, deuces. Shot rocket.